episode of Theology Doesn't Suck. As always, I am one of your hosts, Josh Patterson, and my other, my co-host is with me as always, the beautiful and bearded Andy Herman. Wow, beautiful. What's up, Andy? Beautiful and bearded. That's very kind and accurate description, really. <laughs> I mean, what can I say? It is I pretty do, accurate. I do have a beard. Um, and obviously I'm beautiful. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know what I, I learned Obviously. from pop songs is that I'm beautiful no matter what they say. Uh, words can't bring me down. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> the song that? I was thinking of. Okay, <laughs> who is that? I don't is know. That like Celine Dion? No, I, that's not. Oh, no. It's, no it's like a early two thousands artist. I feel like who is that? I want to stop singing. No matter what to say, words, words can't. Is it like? It's not Nora Jones. <laughs> is it? I don't know who sings that song. Oh, I really don't. Man, that's gonna kill but me. But I'm now. gonna, I'm gonna have to make a pact with you, Andy, that I'm never gonna sing on this podcast again because I one, I don't it. want our listeners' ears to bleed. Okay. Uh, and also, I want people to actually listen to the podcast, and my singing is not gonna bring that <laughs> about. <laughs> well, neither will mine. You know, the other day, actually, my wife told me that I sing like a cow. Like a cow? It's it's Christina That's... Aguilera. I just looked it up. <laughs> ah, Christina it's beautiful Aguilera. Beautiful by Christina Aguilera. I don't know if we you have to do this, beautiful. but for the record, we don't have rights to those songs. To the song. Oh yeah, we don't. So don't Zero. sue us, Universal Music Group or whoever owns the rights to that song. Thanks. Yeah, Christina, back off. Yeah, Christina, leave us alone. We're just a lonely <laughs> theology podcast with like thirty listeners. You don't need to assault us. <laughs> You leave Andy alone. You're lucky he even podcasts for you. <laughs> yeah. You're lucky we even mentioned you. Yeah. Um, that's song's from like oh, 2001, man. so some Goodness. of our listeners might not even know it, I feel like. Yeah, they were dead. or Well, they were <laughs> not born yet. <laughs> well, they may have been dead in their sins. <laughs> uh, ooh, there you um, go. <laughs> anyway. That's good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, Andy... Uh, one, one problem, and I think it's, we might've mentioned this before. One common problem that I think both of us have is that, uh, Amazon keeps sending packages to our house, Mm. specifically packages containing books. Yep. Um, so my question to you is what have you been reading recently? So I'm going to be honest, Josh, my reading intake the last few months has dropped a lot from what it usually is. And it makes me really sad. Um, but I still have been doing some reading. Uh, it's just I just want to publicly confess my shame that I haven't been reading as much lately. <laughs> um, okay. But I I so I recently re restarted uh, Augustine's Confessions. Okay. Um, which I've read I once. I have that, but I've not read it. I've read it once before. It was actually interestingly enough, it's one of the very first theology books I ever read. Wow. Um, and I, I probably understood none of it when I read it for the first time. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, it's a pretty dense book to read yeah, right was, off the bat. It was the second theology book I ever read, I'm pretty sure. Uh, first was Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. And mm. then, when, then was Confessions. Because <clears throat> that's what they had at Barnes & Noble. Um, so <laughs> so I'm, I restarted <laughs> Good that. Good old Barnes so & Noble. I'm in the middle of that again. Um I just recently, well, not super recently now, but right before that, I finished up an audiobook um, version of a book by John Flavel, who was an old Puritan. Uh, okay. Called, I believe it was called Keeping the Heart, and that was a good nice. book. Um, the title, I guess, is fairly self-explanatory, but just talking about how Christians <laughs> need, how Christians can and should look after their hearts. Um, so that was a good one. And then I also recently finished going through John Frame's book, Worship in Spirit and Truth, okay. uh, which is his book on Christian worship. Uh, and surprisingly, I don't know if you do. You, I don't know if you know who John Frame is, but he's a professor. At, I be, I want to say he's a professor at Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia. Oh, and cool. he, uh, for a theologian, that book was surprisingly short. Um, <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> it's not a dense book, surprisingly. Um, but that was good, and yeah, that's about it, I guess. What have you been reading? Well, I'll tell you if you promise to still be friends with me. Uh oh, I'm scared now. <laughs> well, no. All right. So uh, recently, um, I've read two Richard Rohr books. That's why I said that. Um, Ooh, I don't know if we can be friends. You. Sorry. 
Yeah, but they, I mean, they were decent. The one was called uh, Falling Upward, and the other one is called The Naked Now. Um, okay. And I, I, <laughs> I enjoyed both of them. Uh, and then I've also uh, recently read um, some of Brian Zahn's work. He oh, actually, wow. I told really you about. Can't be friends. Yeah, <laughs> I, I told you about one of his books called uh, "Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God." Yes. Um, which is funny because if you read his book, he talks about how he used to actually go around. He had "Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God" memorized, and he was actually like a revivalist pastor. He would go around and only preach that sermon. That's weird. Um, so it's it's an interesting book. It's it's kind of <laughs> cool. But I recently uh, I recently read his book uh, called Farewell to Mars, um, which is the uh, subtitle is like an evangelical pastor's journey towards the gospel of peace. Is I want to say something like that. Though? Oh, well, he very much used to be, and he okay. basically the book he talks about how he used to be heavily intertwined in like uh, politics and like using Christianity and politics, stuff like that. And he kind of back away, backs away from that. He bit, it's basically a book about like Christian nonviolence. It's a good book. Um, and then I started, I'm reading his book called, uh, beauty will save the world, which is interesting. Uh, it's, it's pretty good so far. He's basically just like trying to recapture the beauty of Christianity. That's, that's the idea. Um, and then I picked up a book today and I'm interested to see, and it's called, um, it's not a super, like, it's not a theology book. It's like, I guess, a Christian living book Okay. Um, by a, a pastor called Levi Lesko. Oh, um, hey, he's from Albuquerque. Yeah, yeah. So he, um, I mean, I like him. I, I don't have any quarrels with him. I've uh, read his other books. But this one is called I Declare War. Um, and it's it. specifically, he is opening up about his struggles with things like, um, night terrors and depression and suicidal thoughts and self-harm um, and also some other issues that he's he's struggled with like pride and narcissism and so I me personally I picked up the book because uh, I have also been dealing with uh, depression now for about a year hmm. um, and so I'm just interested to hear what his take is on it because I've read his other books uh, through the eyes of a lion and also uh, swipe right yeah um, and I've enjoyed them so I'm interested just to, it'll be a quick read, but uh, he's a good author. So I'm interested to see, you know, kind of where that takes me. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well. Oh, and, and I'm about to pick up one non-Christian book. Uh-oh. Uh, I can't say the title of it on the podcast though, because we agreed not to swear on it the podcast. It has a swear word in the title, Josh. It wow. does, but it's a New York Times bestseller and it's actually about mental health, which is why I want to read it. Uh, but it's called the subtle art of not oh, giving I've a heard of this. giving F a word. bleep. Yeah, yeah, a bleep, a frick, <laughs> a frick. Not giving a frick. Um, but it was actually, yeah, I've was, heard of I, that. Okay, yeah, I. Well, I've seen it, and then they talked about it on the Bad Christian podcast, which everybody knows that I like. Josh likes but the Bad actually, Christian podcast. <laughs> you didn't know. But actually, Joey, uh, on the show, Pastor Joey Svensson is the one who read the book and recommended it. He deals with depression. His head pastor actually recommended it to him, which was a very big surprise to me because uh, he works at like an evangelical megachurch. Um, but so it's anyway, I'm, I'm going to definitely check that one out as well. Okay. Well, yeah, there you go. So there's um, <laughs> what's been on our our reading lists lately. Uh, I need to start reading more again, man. I haven't been reading enough the last few months. It's sad. It's pathetic, Josh. Dude, it's it's weird, man. Sometimes I like can't stop reading, and then there's times where I just like I'm so out of it, so to speak, mentally yeah. that I just can't read. Can't focus. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm in one of those phases for sure right now, but hmm. gotta get on it. Anyway, um, speaking of reading, speaking of books, this one was too easy, <laughs> honestly. Uh, speaking yeah, of was... reading, today we are actually talking about a book. Uh, we are, and and we might we might diverge from the book later on in the episode, but we're at least going to start by talking about a book, and it is the book Expository Exaltation. The subtitle is Christian Preaching as Worship, and it is by none other than the man, the myth, the legend, your grandpa. If your grandpa was a theological <laughs> ma- ma- maestro. <laughs> Uh, John Piper. It's by John Piper. John so, Piper. Expository Exaltation by John Piper, by J. Pipes. 
And, Dude, uh, with a name like Expository Exaltation, it could only be a John Piper dude, book. Dude, oh no, yeah. Like, you should know just from the title that it's a John Piper book. <laughs> exactly for sure. right. For sure. Uh, so, I think this is the first, like, actual kind of reformed book. Well, and I mean, even John Piper is not, like, really reformed. He's Calvinistic, and I like a lot of his stuff, but he's not, like, really reformed. But anyway. He's a pretend reformed. He's what? He's a pretend reformer. Yeah. He's a he's, faker. He's Well, I wouldn't go that far. I like John <laughs> Piper. He's just not, like, reformed in the truest sense of the word. Sure, he's not reformed enough. <laughs> in, yeah. Anyway, he's not confessional. and he's, But he does desire God. He's semi-dispensational, <laughs> I think. Oh, he's really? Not a, he, he's not, I don't think he's a full-on dispensationalist. But anyway, that's beside the point. Today we're talking about Expository <laughs> Exaltation by Johnny Pipes. And if you haven't guessed by now, it's a book about preaching. Uh, so expository preaching. exposition is uh, basically a, another word we use for when we talk about teaching the text, right? Ex- ex- so yes. if we're expositing scripture, that means we're teaching the text of scripture. And then exaltation, actually, and this is going to already start to touch on the theme of Piper's book, but exaltation has to do with like worship and magnifying God, right? So yes Uh, basically i would say the main thrust of piper's book is that preaching is the right teaching of god's word as worship yes and i mean if if i was gonna summarize the book in like one little phrase i don't know do you feel like that does it justice oh i think very much so Um, i think that's exactly right yeah preaching is the right teaching of god's word as worship as worship and and the as worship part is super important um so john piper uh in the beginning of the book he talks about worship in general and christian worship he almost gives like a little mini theology of worship in the first few chapters Um, he does and then he moves on to talk about preaching why preaching is an important and appropriate part of christian worship um which which i think is really good i mean i don't know josh i know you told me that when we first were reading the book you didn't necessarily feel like that was necessary uh (laughs) right that whole his like defense of preaching as being important for christian worship yeah i thought well and then luckily andy you turned me on to this but apparently well i didn't know that there was a like a debate going on Mm-hmm. about should preaching be a thing in church like i just i guess i kind of always took that for granted like well yeah. duh like yeah preaching should be a part of church <laughs> yeah and so I, that part that that part was a bit slow for me but it, i also see the importance of it yeah and i think that's that is the case for a lot of people though. a lot of people who grew up around the church probably like it's just taken for granted obviously preaching is a part mm-hmm. of church mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. but there are i mean even so a while back now we reviewed francis chan's book letters to the church we did and we, we did and so we talked a little bit about francis chan's house church movement and one of the things that i had the biggest problem with about his house church movement is that they don't have preaching in their house churches ah yes so that I mean, is there, true. Are, there, there are movements like that with with fairly popular leaders um where preaching is decentralized or done away with to some degree. Uh, so I, I thought that was important. So he talks about worship. He talks about the importance of preaching in worship. Um, and then he kind of dives in to some of the nitty gritty of it. Of like, so, so he explains that what preaching is, is it's a faithful handling of God's word, right? We're looking at the text of scripture. We're understanding it rightly. We're teaching it rightly um, in order to worship God. And so... Mm-hmm. And so preaching isn't just one of the big things he hits on a lot in this book is that preaching isn't just an intellectual exercise. It's not just teaching facts from God's word, but it's right. like pointing to the beauty of what God's word is teaching us. It's pointing the the term that he likes to use is the realities that the text is pointing to. He uses yes. that, that term a lot, the reality. Um, so we're 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 looking at the text. We're seeing the reality that the text points us to. Um and which basically he just means like what is the the overarching truth i think right would you say that's a fair way to yeah i think i think that's fair yeah what is the what is the overarching truth yeah uh, like the the text is pointing to so what is this what is the overarching truth that this text is pointing to um and and then preaching that in a way that is not just factual but also um glorifies god a way that is worshipful and magnifies the beauty and greatness of god um so and and there's a lot of practical stuff in it in this book as well piper gets into a lot of like 
he goes through a lot of examples of how he does this stuff, of how he goes through mm-hmm. a passage, how he preaches it. Um, and so there's there's a lot of practical know-how. Um, you can definitely see the kind of the riches of his own experience as a preacher for so long in a church coming through in this book, I think. I don't know. But so when you read this book, Josh, what was your initial reaction? Um. Well, at first, like I said, I was kind of bored. <laughs> but then once I got into it, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I just, I mean, for me, it was just, it was a really cool thing to see because, uh, like I've told you before, Andy, I mean, whether or not you fully agree with John Piper or like him or dislike him. I like him for the record. He's, yes, Andy likes him. And I, I think overall, I like John Piper. I don't always agree with him, but I think, I mean, he's a nice guy. (laughs) He's cool. Uh, but I think what's, what I really personally enjoyed about this book is just the years of wisdom and experience that, uh, Piper is just like sharing, you know, for for other uh, people in ministry or, or you know anybody in general. Um, I guess yeah. um, it's it's just a really cool thing uh, that he's willing to share his like the things that he has learned, the things that God has taught him uh, to try to help other people like Josh and Andy become better preachers. You know, yeah. Um, and I think it it was just like one thing that Piper always always does that I I mean. That I mean, it always stands out to me is he really has like a reverence for uh, scripture and like mm. just like a, just such a pure reverence yeah. for God um, in general. And so I think it's just he uses such like beautiful language and uh, he just seems really genuine uh, when yeah. he when he speaks about, um, you know, the beauties and wonders of God and the way he elevates the importance of preaching and, and talks about how it's, you know, such an important task and. Um, how it's, you know, it's, it's a dangerous task and how it's one that is not, you know, should not be taken lightly. Um, it was for me overall, I just enjoyed it. I, Hmm. it wasn't earth shattering, but it was like, wow, this is really enjoyable. This is helpful. Um, this is a lot of wisdom and I just kind of wanted to soak it in. That that was kind of my initial reaction was, wow, this is, you know, thank you, John. (laughs) Yeah. No, I would, I would agree. And one thing you said there that I totally agree with is one of the things I respect most about Piper is his absolute reverence for scripture, which I think stems from his reverence for God. It's not just reverence for scripture, but like his, his total submission to the word of God has always really, um, amazed me. I like, it's always, I just, when I hear him speak, when I've seen him preach, when I read his stuff, he writes, uh, it's just like, striking it seems like to soak through everything he says that like yeah he obviously yeah. has a great reverence and love for god and a great love for god's word um so and i think that uniquely maybe uniquely qualifies i don't know if that's the right word to use but i think that puts him in a position to write this book on preaching sure um because of his amazing love and reverence for god's word i think uh that really enriches his book on preaching and so like you said, in a way, there was nothing earth-shattering in this book. Um, though for some people who read it, there might be. But I, yeah, <laughs> the idea, his, his kind of main idea of preaching as worship, while that wasn't earth-shattering in and of itself, like, I think the just the way he, the way he displayed that idea, the way he brought that idea out, was really enriching for me, and I think is really needed in the church today, because... Yeah. Um I think we can fall depending on where you are theologically and culturally and things like that. Uh you can fall into different traps with preaching, but I think that mm-hmm. that are having this understanding of preaching as like teaching the word of God faithfully as worship uh is a remedy to all of them. So uh for example, if you're in maybe I know that in some of the more like liberal churches, they kind of like tend to downplay the importance of preaching. Uh, they don't necessarily, it's not really an exposition of God's word. A lot of times it's more just like maybe a motivational talk or like a thought or a reflection. (laughs) Uh, some churches, you know, will even do away with preaching and do like discussion time or something like that. Um, because they don't. And, and so when you, when you, when you, go back to this biblical depiction and Piper gives a lot of biblical support. We don't have to make, we're not going to make the whole biblical case that Piper makes here, but you can read the book to get it. Um, but when you go back to that biblical picture of preaching as, as uh, an exposition of God's word 
as and as worship um i think it remedies that because it it brings us to okay no this isn't just like a nice little reflection or a time for discussion like this is us being inspired and being awe inspired by like the majesty of god's word and so yeah. there's this sense of awe and and that can also be missing though in more conservative churches um of various stripes who maybe make sermons just intellectual exercises um, right whether it's like a self-help talk kind of thing and maybe more an attractional church or an even even some like more reformed type churches you could have a sermon that's like very expository uh but i put expository in air quotes there you can't see that, <laughs> but, uh, expository but it's um it's basically just the pastor like going through the grammar and structure of the text and that's <laughs> like that's it um yeah and it's so, aka and, boring and it's not awe-inspiring and so no, and and so just boring I mean, well yeah and yeah boring <laughs> uh, but one one of the points that piper does make is it's not about the awe-inspiringness isn't about like how interesting the preacher is or how gifted of a speaker the preacher is but it's about the sure. fact that the preacher should be as he's as he's preaching should be worshiping god and inviting essentially inviting others to worship god and marvel at god's word with him and so when when your preaching does not do that when your preaching is not first of all faithfully teaching god's word and second of all marveling at it and inviting others to marvel with you then you're not hitting the mark of what biblical preaching is and yes and so i think uh that's a much needed reminder in many churches of all different stripes Sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I, and I know, I mean, just for me personally, like the way he, uh, talks about preaching and its importance and the sacredness of it and like what we're called to as people who preach the word. Um, like I know it even just, it like helped me elevate the way that I, you know, even prep for my teachings, you know, as a youth pastor teaching Hmm. the youth, um, you know, at my church at Catalyst, that's what we call our youth group. Uh, yeah. But teaching at, you know, teaching at Catalyst, even the importance of that. Um, I mean, it just, I I don't know. It just, it kind of helped like give me like a boost. Like, you know, this is important. This is not just yeah. something to be taken lightly. Uh, you shouldn't just get up and, and try to say stuff. Like yeah. it, it, it's, it's a thing. It's a, it's a, it's an important thing. It's, it's a, a sacred thing. And it's a does, is the am I using the right phrase? Does he say it's a dangerous calling or a, or I think that's he, right. He may have said that in there at some point. Yeah. I don't remember for sure. Um, but one of the other things too that struck me about this book, and Piper has always done this to me to some degree. Um, but one, of, I think one of the most pervasive features of a, <coughs> ooh, excuse me, I'm coughing. Hmm, no worries. <coughs> one of the most pervasive features of many sermons, including some of my own. Uh, in our modern culture, is there tends to be a lot of humor. Yeah. Um, and humor, I, I like. I don't remember if Piper really did much addressing of this specifically in the book. It's been a while since I finished it now. Um, <laughs> but um, one of the things that is like the book is shot through with is this. There's this phrase that Piper likes to use a lot, which is like the weight of glory, which I, I really like that phrase. But this idea that there's like a a solemn joy that accompanies worshiping God. And so it's sure. not it's not like there's no fun or enjoyment, but it's different than just like the light fun we have when we're joking around or messing around. And right. and so one of the one of the things that this kind of, this kind of convicted me of and I think could serve to convict preachers in our culture of today is that um, not that humor maybe has no place ever in a sermon, but that we are too quick to turn to like little light humorous moments as a way to like engage people in our sermons rather sure. than seeking the deeper joy that accompanies like true worship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, um, I don't know, that was just one of the things that struck me. But one question I wanted to ask you, Josh, about this book is who should read this book in your opinion? <laughs> uh, well, definitely. I mean, right off the, yeah, right off the bat, I would say anybody, uh, who is in ministry, uh, and has a role, whether it's 
teaching or preaching, I mm-hmm. think it would be helpful because I think even Sunday school teachers, you know, although they're not, you know, if your church has Sunday school or small group leaders, whatever, um, that are in a position where they're teaching others, I think it's helpful to at least, it, at the very least, at least get a reverence for what you're doing when you're trying to teach people about the Bible, about yeah. Scripture. I would um, say, I don't know if you would agree with me, I would say that okay. teaching a class or something like that is, in certain ways, different from preaching in oh, the biblical very, sense. Yes, okay. very much so. I, I would agree with you. But I, I do just, agree more that it's helpful. So, yeah, that's that's more so what I was saying, is that it's helpful. Um, but then obviously anybody who would, would, that is in a position to get up and preach a sermon. Um, but then I even think, I mean, I don't know. I think it could even be helpful, helpful to just like a a normal church going congregant. I was hoping Uh, you would say that. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. In the, in the sense that I think it's just important to understand, uh, what good preaching is Mm -hmm. and what it looks like. Um, and to, to understand, um, like the importance of, of having reverence for scripture and having reverence for God and, uh, the importance of not, I mean, you don't want to go to church and hear a sermon that you could have heard at like, you know, whatever the self-help seminar is going down or the latest trend in that is yeah. like, that's, that's not what you want to hear. Um, yeah. so I, I think, I think really anybody, uh, should read this book. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with you. I think it's so important uh, for ordinary church members to have, and when I say ordinary, I don't mean that it's degrading, <laughs> but lay people, people who are not involved in vocational ministry, I think should still uh, have a solid understanding of what biblical preaching is. Like, why do we have yeah. preaching? Uh, just like, or like lay people should have a good understanding of why they go to church. Like you should have a good understanding of why preaching is so important, what good preaching is. <clears throat> because then especially i think if if lay people are in tune with this idea of preaching not just as like a lecture or not just as information coming across but as worship i think that'll totally change how lay people engage with the sermon too because it's not just like a lecture you're listening to but it's actually worship that you're participating in right and that is like such as so different and it's so uh, I don't know if revolutionary is right, but it's it's like such a paradigm <laughs> shift. It's a paradigm shift. Yeah, um, I think th- that's good language. Paradigm yeah. shift. And so it escalates the level of importance of the yeah. sermon in church and the part that you have, even as just a an as a listener or an active listener. It elevates that role because you get to participate in an important aspect of worship, not just all right. I'm going to sit here while this person you know goes on for whatever length of time yeah being in the congregation uh during a sermon with with this understanding of preaching isn't a passive role it's an active role where you are you are worshiping god by marveling at the realities that are being revealed from god's word and so it's not it's not just where you sit like it's it's part of worship because it is worship and yeah like it's not like oh we're worshiping god when we, when we have church services, it's not like, okay, we worship God with music, and then we have the sermon, and then we worship God. No, it's <laughs> right, like, it's, right. It's all worship from start to finish, yeah, right? So that's exactly a, right. When we think of preaching that way, it totally changes how we participate in the worship service. I think that's super important. Yeah, um, for sure. So just out of curiosity, Josh, how, how does this understanding of preaching uh, maybe compare to what you've experienced or heard in the past, just in churches that you've been a part of. Sure. Well, I think um, I think maybe all of us can say that we have been present for very good preaching and very not good preaching, <laughs> yeah. to put it bluntly. Uh, but I think I mean, as far as experience goes, I know you know one of the churches that I worked in um, just had such a the preaching never, ever sat right with me. First off, they never, zero, ever did they call it preaching. They huh. called it teaching. Hmm. Only called it teaching. And they said, nobody wants to go to church and be preached at. We only teach here. So, okay. Hmm. That never sat right with me. But then what they would do is, and I mean, I knew I was a, I was a teaching pastor. That was part of my title. Mm-hmm. Um, we would have these writing retreats where we would write 
you know, the next sermons, you know, sermons for the next three months or whatever, um, collectively as a group. And so, uh, the way that we did it though was weird. We had this thing called a sermon beat sheet, (laughs) which sounds weird, but how, how it would work was you would come up with an idea for a message, what you want to teach. And then you would come up with the points that you wanted to teach and then you would come up with what they called the golden thread, the thing that intertwined everything together. And then you would go and find Bible verses oh, no. that supported whatever no. it is that you wanted to teach, whatever points you wanted to teach. Oh. I constantly was like, this is backwards. This is that backwards. Is so this is backwards. backwards. <laughs> and they they did not like me because oh. I said that. Like I, They had this thing that they did called like, I'm not going to say the church's name, but whatever the church's name, the church way. And this is the way that we do things. And if you don't like it, get out kind of thing. Okay. And so the, the problem was then that we had these sermons. Oh, oh. And the worst part is they would take scripture and twist it or decontextualize it to fit whatever point they were trying to teach. Right. And so they weren't, they they weren't taking scripture and basing their message off of scripture. They were using scripture for their message. Exactly right. They were, they were, I think the one book that I read before, uh, actually Pastor Pete recommended it. Uh, it yeah. was just called Expository Preaching. They call this uh, drunk preaching, be- like, and they use the picture of a guy leaning on a lamppost, you know, like, and so what it is, is you're leaning on uh, the Bible to make your point rather than <clears throat> allowing the Bible to speak for itself and then, you know, ex- expositing what the Bible is teaching. So that that was always <laughs> difficult, and then then I'd have to get up, and they'd be like, "Oh, go read this manuscript that you didn't write," and uh-huh. so like it was, I don't know. The messages there were never good, zero yeah. ever, never bad, um, and so that's an that's an example, and that I mean that I think that happens more often than not. It was topical preaching yeah. with like the idea of if you do these three steps, then you'll have a perfect marriage. Or if you follow these four steps, God will bless you financially. Mm-hmm. Just like it, it took, it didn't, it feels like it didn't have the reverence for scripture that, that Piper's talking about. And yeah. it didn't take seriously what preaching was. It was just, we're going to use the Bible, this book, you know, for whatever. I don't know. It, yeah. it wasn't good. And it was a negative experience. And it misses And that the seems mark. too common. It misses the mark on both of kind of Piper's two main parts of preaching, the expository part and the exaltation part. Yeah, exactly right. Because, right. I mean, if if like if we we're agreeing that expository preaching is the way that preaching should be done, that's that's basing your sermon on the text, what the text is teaching, rather than coming up with your teaching and picking texts to go along with it. <laughs> um, right. Exactly right. And so, and, and then, decontextualizing course, the part, them. <laughs> well, that's an issue too. But then the interesting thing, too, I think, is you can't really have the exaltation, the worship, without first having the expository part. So if you miss exactly. the expository part, then you're not going to have the, the worship because uh, the worship only comes as a result of marveling at what is being revealed from God's word. Exactly, so if exactly. You, if, you, if you're not revealing things from God's word in the first place, then you're not going to have worshipful preaching and then and then it does just become teaching then it does just become like i'm going to teach you like these ideas that i think are good rather than preaching the word of god in a way that draws forth worship from people sure yeah yeah and then and then the other and then there's a different this is another you know another way to view this issue another extreme or another thing that i've ran into is i've also worked at a church before where um it was like the, the pastor would literally say things like, oh, well, I don't, I don't really focus on Sundays. Um, I put my focus elsewhere. And so what would happen was there would be a scripture passage for that day, but, you know, the pastor would get up and they might read that scripture passage in its entirety, like, you know, five, six, seven, eight verses, whatever. But then they would just have a ramble fest about God knows what that went nowhere. Um, <laughs> so and it just, it just like prepared. No, it just... Not, yeah, exactly. Non-prepared. Okay. Let me get up and see what I can, you know, wing. And what that does is it ends up being the same sermon because then you just preach about whatever you're passionate about. Yeah. So it's the same sermon every week over and over and over and over, regardless of what the text is. And so that just came from, I think, a lack of the 
maybe they understood like okay exposit the expository bits important but they they were missing out maybe on the exaltation bit or the sacredness of what they're called to do the task of preaching is yeah. is a big deal the and they didn't take that part seriously yeah. yeah 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 hmm. that's good yeah yeah those are and the the first one that you mentioned um i've i've been in a situation very similar to that at a church i was a part of as well um, but then I've also been part of churches, and thankfully I'm part of one right now where the preaching is um, very faithful, very biblical, and mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> and I think does draw forth worship. I think um, I I don't think that a past our pastors ever read this book <laughs> specifically, but <laughs> I think I think he, he does <clears throat> strive after a lot of what this book is talking about. Um, I've also had a positive positive experiences too. Like um, one of my mentors, Pastor Marciano Santos, uh, is is awesome. I mean, I think expository exaltation is exactly what he strives for and and, and reaches in in his preaching, which is a very positive thing. Yeah, and and to go back, kind of to I think that we mentioned this earlier too. But one of the most important things about this book is that. Um, well, of course, I think natural gifting and ability does come into play with preachers. And Piper talks about that. He has a whole chapter devoted to that. So if you're interested, again, read the book. But um, the main measure of what successful or good preaching is isn't how charismatic and I don't I mean, in like the normal way, not like the spiritual way, charismatic, <laughs> how charismatic and like winsome and persuasive the speaker is by himself, like not how good of a speaker the person is. Uh, but it's it's the faithful handling of the text and the worshipfulness of the preacher that are the mark of success. And so, <clears throat> obviously, there is a place for taking into account natural ability. And again, Piper talks about that um, yeah. a good bit in the book. But, but I, I think a lot of times we tend to judge who the best preacher is just by looking at who the best public speaker is. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's the way that people tend to evaluate preachers a lot of times. Um, when in reality, you get someone who's an amazing public speaker, and I've, I've seen this and experienced it firsthand. You can have someone who's an amazing public speaker who isn't really preaching the word of God at all. They're just... They're just saying of, stuff. Yeah. and <laughs> Enthusiastically saying things. It's really interesting things. and really, you know, they're very engaging and funny and charming, uh, but they're not preaching the word of God. Sure. And then you can have someone who's maybe not a great public speaker. They're just like, okay, um, but they're preaching the word of God faithfully and drawing forth worship by pointing to God's word. That person is a much better preacher than, than the amazing speaker who isn't preaching at all <laughs> in the first place. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that's fair. And actually, this this is interesting. This this person comes to mind when we're talking about this because uh, I think oftentimes you know, when people talk about this preaching bit, uh, and we talk about what bad preaching looks like a lot of the times like bigger churches or mega churches are the ones that tend to get a bad rap because you associate them mm. with preachers that are just good public speakers or motivational yeah. speakers or whatever. But totally. I think, and maybe you might disagree with me and, and maybe you've actually never listened to this person, but I think one person that is maybe overly popular as a preacher, but does it does do a good job of being very charismatic and engaging, but also, uh, is is pretty much you know he's very expository in his preaching is judah smith have you ever listened to him preach before i have never listened to a judah smith sermon i will tell you up front just to be honest my opinion of judah smith from what i do know is not the greatest oh but... for, i figured that <laughs> <laughs> so uh he just i don't know i mean like i i have hang-ups with him as well but when I've listened to him preach, like I listened to him do a series through the book of James. And I mean, he went verse by verse through the book of James. That's and like he, he he did a good job, but that's that's standard for him. He yeah. preaches exegetically. Now, you can argue he does talk too much. He makes comments that he talks too much. And he chases rabbits and tells ridiculous stories. But mm-hmm. at the same time, he does, act, in my opinion, does a fair job and has a reverence for scripture um, so I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting example that came to mind of That's somebody who has a who has a good I, balance. And I guess I'm not. I'm definitely not in a position to evaluate his preaching. So 
I can't make a statement on that. I've just thought, I don't know. Maybe maybe he does in a, in a paradoxical way. Maybe he does preach well, but his theology isn't always worked out the best. Sure, um, that's fair. <laughs> because, for example, some of our listeners may have heard of this. Actually, Judah Smith, I think it was like a month or two ago now, actually launched like a his. Have you heard of his like church app thing? Actually, I have not. Okay, Inform so me. He, he had this like video where he's like, you know, so many of you guys have asked me when we're coming to Nashville or New York or like all these other cities. Like, well, now, like, like, wh- or when are we going to plant a church in these places? He's like, well, we just did, and they, oh, and, I, I know where this is. They going. created this whole like virtual church thing, like app church thing, where you can like you can go in the lobby, which is a chat room, and like meet other people before the service, and you okay. participate in the services like through the app. And all this kind of stuff. And um, it just really bothered me because to me it demonstrates a fundamental lack of understanding of what the church is. and like Sure, what, that's fair. How local church worship works. Um, and so, that I mean, that's the biggest experience I have with Judas Smith. And that totally, I'm going to be honest, like, so maybe his preaching is solid. I don't, I've never listened to a sermon of his. But that just, like, totally ruined him for me because that. No, I, that's fair. I, I got you. yeah but but i've never listened to his sermons and and the fact that he preaches through books of the bible verse by verse um i have a lot of respect for that so that's that impresses me not that yeah that matters that i'm impressed (laughs) it is impressed therefore everybody should listen to judah smith (laughs) doesn't care so no he doesn't (laughs) that's for sure um unless he listens to our podcast that would be shocking (laughs) That would be real shocking. Very shocking. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I guess as we're wrapping up, do you have any kind of other thoughts about the book or about the content that you wanted to share? Um, I mean, well, I guess we could go in in one tangent, and this like the the only uh like critique I could make of his book, mm-hmm. um, is he talks about um you know, like truthful preaching through like prayer and inviting the Holy spirit. And you know, that's what good preaching is. My question to Piper, and maybe it's not a critique. My question might be, I guess then to Piper would be, okay, that's fine. But what about when somebody gets up who, who prayed, who is invoking the Holy spirit, uh, who is doing all these, these good things that you're talking about, um, and then they get up and then they preach something that you disagree with. Yeah. Now what? Because I mean, he just, I just think he makes some bold claims about like, Oh, that's like, you know, with God speaking and that's the Holy spirit and this is the truth and blah, blah, blah. If you do these things, but what about when it's not John Piper preaching? What about when it's somebody else that disagrees with him? Does that person's preaching not count? That I mean, it's more so a question than a critique. Yeah, and no, maybe I it's mean, me. Do you, do you see what I'm asking? Does I that make totally sense? I totally get that question. That's something I've wrestled with too because I do have a very high view of preaching and in that when I believe that when preaching is faithful to God's word, that God is speaking through that preaching. Not that the preaching is inerrant like scripture is. But that right. when, when preaching is faithful to God's word, I believe that God speaks through that preaching to his people. Um, but there is that kind of tension there of like, well, like what if someone's preaching and you disagree with right. them? And I, I mean, I think the, the where my mind goes initially is like we, we ultimately have to go back and look at what what is most faithful to the word of God. Like, sure. Um, so if you have a disagreement with someone's preaching, like go back and look at the word of God and see if, if they were faithful to it. But, um, there might be more to it than that, that I'm not getting. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think, I think that's good, but I guess, and maybe we would disagree on this, um, because of our view of scripture, but like, there's so many different interpretations of scripture and there's so many logical arguments that you can make that make sense, right? Mm -hmm. Logically. Um, from different perspectives of different readings and interpretations of scripture. So how do you know which one is the right one? The right, cause I mean, all of us are inclined to say my interpretation of scripture is the right interpretation of scripture. Of course. Yeah. So like, I mean, and maybe it's a question that, that you don't wrestle with because I guess, well, you would probably say you have a higher view of scripture than me. I would say I have a pretty high view 
and maybe you would disagree. <laughs> I see you smiling. Uh, but like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah, it's a question I, see, I wrestle with. Like, I don't, I see what you're saying. I see why that's a tough question. I guess like, I mean, obviously there are multiple interpretations of scripture, but only one is right. Sure. And not, I'm not saying that like, I'm the one with who interprets scripture rightly every time. Cause I don't, um, but, but all like, of us are going to say our interpretation is the right interpretation. Right. And I think, but I think it's, it doesn't do us any good to be paralyzed. Sure. Um, and say like, well, since like, since we don't all agree, then like, we can't, then like no one knows. You yeah. Know, like, I think we always need to be striving to, to, to deepen our understanding of scripture um and be open to correction yeah um but also stand for the truth as we see it like as as best as we do understand the truth of scripture we should stand for that sure um but it is a complicated question and i would be interested to hear what piper had (laughs) if somehow miraculously (laughs) get piper to answer that question i would be interested (laughs) to hear what he would have to say i'll give Um, him a phone call yeah yeah if you guys didn't know josh is pretty tight with johnny pipes so, uh, <laughs> we uh just ring him up we enjoy a good whiskey together every once in a while uh, piper does not strike me as a whiskey drinker. <laughs> <laughs> you're right He's, he he kind of strikes me as like a seagram's <laughs> yeah, wine cooler kind of guy <laughs> i don't know he i don't know if he strikes me as an or alcohol drinker or zero all. alcohol yeah that's yeah. fair that's i don't fair. know if i don't he also doesn't necessarily strike me as someone who would outright say christians can never drink but I, I, just I would feel, also agree with that. I just feel like he probably doesn't very often. Yeah, well, I did I did learn recently, I guess, like, Pew Research or whoever put out a poll about the oh, most, yeah. the most like, the whatever denomination that consumes the most alcohol, and Lutherans top the list. So any Lutheran listeners, well done. And you then guys... Methodists were also pretty high up there uh as well <laughs> i was surprised when you told me that presbyterians weren't up there because i mean yeah but it makes sense that lutherans would be on top because if if anyone follows our instagram account which plug for our instagram account you should go follow it's at it's the Suck. we it posted is. a quote on reformation day this year we did um from martin luther <laughs> which i'm i'll be paraphrasing a little but it was something along along the lines of whoever drinks beer is quick to sleep whoever is quick to sleep does not sin Whoever does not sin enters heaven, so let us drink beer. It was something along those lines. It's basically that. Yeah, and so... uh, That is brilliant. Yeah, so Martin Luther was a big fan of beer, so it makes sense that Lutherans (laughs) would drink a lot. Um, (laughs) Well, his wife, the girl that he married, was a a beer maker. She was a brewer. For real? Yeah, and one of his biggest compliments, he... Well, he would compliment her in two ways. One, she's hot. Two, she makes really good beer. So... <laughs> Seriously, well, Martin Luther, he was really a man of the people, you know. <laughs> he he was. was right on our level. He was not. <laughs> I mean, oh. as far as like the whole nationalism bit goes, he definitely like the Pope when they sent when the Pope sent the papal bull like summoning Martin Luther, which is basically like if we were to get a letter from the White House saying like, "Hey, you have to come here. We have to talk to you." Uh, he took the papal bull into the you know center of the town and like got everyone's attention and lit it on fire. <laughs> so like Martin Luther's a uh, badass. That's what I'm he's saying. He's a fun guy. <laughs> he's a real fun guy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, I guess that's Goodness. about it. It seems like we're going off on a tangent now. So we are. It's uh, okay. So what it boils down to, um, well, hope hopefully this conversation on preaching has been helpful for you. Um, but yeah, we we would both, I think, encourage you to get this book and read it absolutely. for yourself, absolutely. whether you're Piper's in vocational wisdom. ministry or not, right? Oh, um, for sure, because it's a, it's a really helpful book. Piper has a really, I think, easily understandable way of writing. Um, he does, and He's a very, good at that. very reverent, beautiful way of writing, and so <clears throat> highly encourage you to get it. If you do, if you are a preacher, I think there's a lot of practical help in here as well. But even if you're not, I think there's there's just so much wisdom to be gleaned for any Christian. Um, yes. If you have any questions about this episode or any comments, uh, any thoughts, feel free to contact us. You can go to our website, which is theologydoesn'tsuck.com. And you can go to the, 
Dot-com. <laughs> and you can go to the uh, <clears throat> the contact us page, and you can. there's a little form there where you can fill out and contact us. Um, another great use for the contact us page, Josh, do you, know, do you know what another great use for that is? Yeah, if anyone has a question that they would like a response to, uh, and they want it to be a response in an podcast episode then they should they should send us that because we are brewing up a uh question and answer question and response kind of episode that we would love to hear uh your questions um you know theological questions or if you have questions for andy and i where we stand on something or just a a theology question in general you'd like to hear our perspective on uh then go ahead and drop those as well or even if you just have a fun question like I don't know. Andy, yeah. what's your favorite color? <laughs> we might sneak in a couple non-theology we questions, but mainly theology questions. Mainly. Um, we would love we would love to, to get your questions. We, we really want this to be an awesome episode. We've got a couple so far, but we'd love to get some more. Most and, definitely. Uh, it's, it's, think of it this way. It's a Q&A party. You bring the Qs, we bring the As. Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so we'd love for you to submit your questions. Um we if you if you can you're hearing this episode i believe in early january early january we're trying to brew there. this episode up for i think february i, don't I believe know. so i don't know the around exact there. date right now sometime but if you could try to submit your questions soon basically you're hearing this yes. in january submit your questions soon so we can get those um and and make that episode for you we would love to have that happen um as i mentioned earlier you can also follow us on instagram instagram theology doesn't suck uh that account is managed by the the lovely josh patterson lovely um, very lovely and you know <laughs> we post quotes we post resource recommendations podcast books etc uh we post behind the scenes sneak behind peeks them. of the theology doesn't suck <laughs> universe other than other than that i don't i don't think we have anything too crazy to announce but submit your questions for the q a episode we love to get your questions um and and thank you so much for listening we hope that this episode has been edifying and enjoyable for you so until next time much love much love okay well that's that's (laughs) love you guys until next time much love much love are you rar deuces <laughs>